Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal. And I'm here today with Ira Cooper, filling in for Bruce McCurdy, who is in uh, Jasper at the uh, Dark Nights event. Ira, thanks for filling in. Thanks for being here today. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for asking me, Dave. So, you got some snow there, I understand. Oh, we we got like 15 centimeters overnight. It's the, you know, the, you know, early winter. It's still warm out, warmish. It's thick. It's mucky. It's gross. It's taking down tree branches. So you guys get that a lot. You get the, you get the more extreme weather than Edmonton. You get probably better overall uh, weather than Edmonton, but you get the extreme stuff. We do. A little bit more than us. And I made a decision a few years ago that I don't shovel snow anymore, although my wife doesn't agree with it. When, uh, one of my, my dad's uh, friends, uh, friends of one of my kids growing up, uh, his name was Abe Herring. He had, he had a saying that he used one time. He's like, every year God puts the snow here, and every year in the spring he takes it away. Why do I have to <laughs> I'm like, good point. Why do I have to push it around? Because the city will give you a hundred dollar ticket, as I found out. My, I had my. I'm not gonna. Won't say which of my four sons didn't uh, shovel the walk, but we got a ticket one time, and I forgot I didn't pay it. And as I was crossing the border, uh, one time I got pulled in by customs. There was a warrant out for me because I didn't pay. Apparently, I can't believe it because I didn't pay a, a ticket for shoveling snow. And he almost let you back in the country. I could have got arrested. <laughs> I don't know. They didn't arrest me. They just laughed about it. But um, that's what it was about. Anyway, that was like, you know, you get pulled in by customs into their office and, you know, it's just what's going on here. Anyway, that's what it was. Okay. So shovel your snow. I Ira. do. I do. I, <laughs> I said that. I told the story, but I do shovel. So do I. Well, I try to get my kids to and then, then I do. All <laughs> right. Uh, Ira, that was a. That was a very frustrating game. 2 nothing loss to the St. Louis Blues. St. Louis, like, whether they have Jay Bomeister and Alex Pietrangelo in defense, like, whoever it is, they just seem to do a good job of often of thwarting the Oilers, and they sure did it this game. In this game, let me just check what the opposition had at first. Add apparently Nick Letty to that list because uh, he was yeah. outmatched against McDavid, and, and it worked. It did work, didn't it? And I didn't think it was good. I thought, oh, geez, no Peter Angelo, no Bo Meester, the Oilers. But the Oilers only got four grade-A shots yeah. this I, game. I the Blues only had eight. It was a very low event game yep. and a very uh, fast game. <clears throat> Bruce McCurdy was talking about the number of face-offs. Um, and they, they had, there have been 70 face-offs in um, recent games, 70-plus face-offs. And usually there's about 57, I think, is what Bruce said. Today there was... 43 face-offs. This was a very fast-played game. Not a lot of stoppages, and the Oilers just were able to generate nothing against... They were checked to smithereens, Ira. They just they couldn't get anything going. And good, good, you know, credit to St. Louis, but, you know, the Oilers didn't bring their A game either. I, I'm not sure I can think of one uh, high-danger uh, uh, five-alarm chance that, that you like to talk about. I can't... Yeah. There's one. Off the top of my head. Uh, um, seem to have one. Oh, when Kula, I, I, when Kula, there was one where Bouchard set up Kulak in the first, made that nice pass into the slot, and Kulak, now that was kind of a borderline five alarm, 
because it's a backhander, those are yeah. tricky shots. So uh, Bruce is going to review it. I had that initially. And then I had Nugent's late in the second, uh, Dreisaitl set up Nugent Hopkins for, and, and Hyman was screening. So I thought that was also five, but just two, yeah, just two exactly. five alarm shots. We, you know, they'll have usually two by the end of the first period, you know, well, not the Oilers, but you know, they'll have, they'll usually have about 10 by the end of the game. Exactly. And this time they just two two the whole game. All right, let's uh, let's get at it. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Ira, what is your good thing? <laughs> As you said, it was a pretty frustrating game, and I could always find uh, a few good things. Um, um, but it was a little tougher today. But I'm going to go with uh, uh, Jack Campbell and uh, his overall performance. Um, as you said, it was a, a pretty low event game, um, except really when uh, Brett Kulak was on the ice uh, for the Oilers, because I think the I think uh, Jack owes him a, a sorry, Brett owes Jack a, a dinner tonight. I think there was maybe three or four, five alarm chances that that Jack stopped off of Kulak giveaways <laughs> or, or falling down. I don't know where that sniper is, but he's taken out Kulak twice now. Uh, so we gotta <laughs> look into that. Um, um, I thought the first goal. I, I I wasn't sure how big the screen was from from Kulak. So when I first saw it, I, I didn't think it was a great goal. And and even if there was a screen, you, you, that's from so far out. He's got to be able to battle around that. So I I won't say it's a bad goal because um, he because he definitely was screen. But he just shut the door after that. And something and I know he did it in the uh, in the first game of the season. But this was a little different. Like he made a couple high danger or five alarm saves. Um, off you know snipers like Kairu um, on, on turnovers and passes across the crease. And he just looked much calmer tonight than I saw him in any of the first four games. So um, it gives me, after that first goal, as I said, I, I think you believe he had no chance on it. I'm, I'm not quite sure about that, but I was like, oh, another early goal and probably maybe could have stopped it. Is this going to happen every game? And then he just lights out for the rest. So I'm going to give it to Jack. Yeah, he Kairu had a breakaway there. There was there was a number of saves by Campbell that were big enough that you think, oh, maybe this is the momentum swing, yeah. and it never swung. The momentum never swung. The Oilers never got it going on, even though Campbell stood on his head. He didn't have a lot to do in the third period, so that was a bit more even, at least. But you know, he there was one. Um, uh, Kyra had a one timer. I can't remember who set him up. I think it was O'Reilly. Uh, off the Bouchard turnover yep. in the second period. And that save, I mean, that should have been the game-changing moment. It kept the Oilers in the game. It gave them a chance to win. But, um, no, uh, you know, and on that one, on that one, I'm calling it the stick tap of shame. <coughs> it's where um, after you made a terrible mistake like Bouchard did, you, you know, you tap the goalie's pads when he saves your bacon. And we Bouchard did that. Kulak did that a couple. Had to do that a couple times that game. Yeah. So he was constantly bailing out the defenseman. Yeah. And, and um, go ahead. Oh, I was just say you were talking about waiting for that momentum change. I was just waiting for the, you know, the classic huge save at one end, go back the other way, and the yeah. at the other end. And the, you know, they just was there a did they get a single odd man rush like they like they could they had no speed through the neutral zone. Um, you know, no fast breaks, and that's their game, right? So, geez, I hope other teams don't get a hold of that game tape because um, they might have come up with something to stop the Oilers there. You know, there's on the on the first goal, there's debate about that. You know, there's some people who say on a point shot, 
the goalie should work his way through the screen. And if he doesn't, it's his fault. That's that's on the goalie. So there's that point of view. And, um, you know, there's something to be said for that. In this particular case, the puck popped out to um, to the point. I think it came from low. So Campbell, if I'm not mistaken, he's he's starting out. Um, and and um, Krug gets off. Was it Krug? He gets off the shot immediately. <clears throat> and it's a very well-placed shot. And right in front of Campbell is Kulak, who's not a small guy, with a total eclipse of the sunscreen. Yeah. So I'm going to say on that one, I, you know, usually I would say the goalie should have it in that one. I, I, you know, you know, there's exceptions to every rule. And I think that might be the, you know, that's, that's on the list. I think it, I'm going to say like 70% of the time the, the, uh, the goalie should have that one should have the point shot, um, the outside shot, even if there's a screen, mm-hmm. but, uh, 30% of the time it's, screens can be pretty effective and yeah. the goalie does not see the puck. And I, and I think that's a case where, that that was so fast um, developing the shot and the and the screen was was there that he didn't have a much of a chance. And I'm um, you know what people will never change their mind on Twitter or anything like that. I'll change <laughs> my mind on the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs> okay, you convinced me on the screen and and even more so if I recall correctly, like they they went cross across the seam twice before they set up that goal so Campbell was moving both ways so he maybe never fully got set so even more for my good thing of the game he made no mistakes <laughs> he was the Oilers best player and my good thing is the Oilers second best player um Ryan McLeod Ryan McLeod I thought was flying out there tonight and not only that he was physical um his line came out forechecking and forechecking well with Fogel and Pugliarvi. That that third line is actually working fairly well together. Fogel um, almost had a break, um, break-in chance. He got knocked off his stick at the last second. But McLeod was making good plays all game long. Um, he set up Ryan Murray with a great low, high feed from behind the net into the slot in, in the second, and Murray missed the net, which was a great chance for the Oilers to score. Um, you know, that that in terms of like a, an opportunity to, to get a goal, that was probably at the top of the list and Murray misses the net. I like uh, McLeod's physical play as well. He was hitting, he was getting involved physically. If he keeps playing like that, he's going to have a long NHL career and there's no reason to expect him not to. Like, I think he's figuring it out, showing signs of it. And that third line is showing signs of figuring it out. All three players have something to prove and, and they're not scoring, but they were the Oilers best line that game, which is, which is, which isn't saying a whole lot. Because uh, <laughs> the other lines were, the top lines just did not get it going, but it's saying something. I I, I fully agree on McLeod, and I was almost going to pick the entire third line as uh, my good thing tonight. Um, they're probably the Oilers' best line, which, as you said, isn't the best thing, but they were the most Oilers' most consistent line, and, and a lot, a part, a big part of that was uh, Ryan McLeod, and more than anything, just his 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 zone entry ability and his way his ability to transition that puck through the neutral zone this was a game where the Oilers found zero room in the neutral zone McDavid almost had no room in the neutral zone yeah there was at least two if not three zone entries where uh, McLeod at, at speed dangled through and gained the zone they didn't get a ton done or towards the net in the offensive zone but they were in there and contrast that with uh um, the, the top line with uh, every time I looked up, it was uh, Yamamoto, McDavid, and 
king getting caved uh, for a cycle shift by the opposition. Um, but uh, so uh, good, good, good. I agree fully on McLeod and the entire third line tonight. Yeah, I wasn't impressed with Kane or Yamamoto tonight. I mean, Kane, Kane made a few good plays, but Yama was really ineffective that game. So anyway, we'll, we'll, might, we'll might be talking more about that. Um, I don't know if McDavid was mugged. Like, I didn't see a lot. I saw, like, maybe towards the end of the game, I was starting to look for it. I was thinking, what's going on here? And I did notice him get bumped, but I, I'm not sure that he was actually mugged this game. Yeah. I think it might have been just more really solid. If, if, a, if a strong skating player or players, like a defenseman and a center, make up their mind they're just going to skate with him when he doesn't have the puck and shadow him, mm-hmm. you can shut him down. Like, you can stop him from getting the puck a lot. And... Um, you just have to be dedicated and super fast. And I think I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, it might have been Robert Thomas who had that job. But um, that, that might be worth going over and watching some of the shifts just to see what they did with McDavid because he did not get it going. Except on that incredible play in the third period, Ira, where he, he got the puck in the neutral zone and tapped it on his own stick four times, juggled it four times. That was like a little bit of um, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. And then he uh, put the backhand shot on net. But other than that, he he just was not carrying the puck through the neutral zone very well. What is your bad thing? Um, uh, it's going to parlay on that a, a little bit. And uh, I'm a big Jay Woodcroft fan, as as most uh, Oil- Oilers fans are. Um, but today, I, I just didn't really like his forward deployment through the game. Um this and I'm not talking about switching up the lines or anything like that necessarily, but you know this was a game where, as we said, McDavid and his lines they were getting caved for every time I looked up. Like I think the numbers weren't that bad, but they were on the negative side of the shot share. But they played in their zone a ton, running around. They were getting no speed through the neutral zone, but Woodcroft seemingly didn't want to use any effort to move away from the Blues matchups. Like, he was basically hard-matched against Letty and Pareko all game. McDavid played 14 minutes against Letty and 13.30 against Pareko. And then it was the O'Reilly, Cairo sideline. Like, he just... Oh, that's what it was. Like, they were shutting them down, not giving them any space, and and Woody didn't seem to adjust at all to try and get them some clean air against, you know, Robert Bertuzzo, for example, who he played 46 seconds against. You know, we're at the we're at home, and David played 43 seconds, 46 seconds at even against the uh, opposition's uh, bottom pairing. Um, and a few other things, like, I think both of us thought that Yamamoto had, you know, a very ineffective game. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you know what? I, I'm not, I do like Pugliarvi on the top line, and I didn't necessarily wanted that switch because the third line has seen, is rolling so well, seemingly. Um, but somehow, some way, um, Yamamoto was able to be on the ice as the, the third most minutes amongst forwards on the ice. McDavid, sure King, Yamamoto. Oof. And Yamamoto had 19 minutes at 5-on-5, five five, and Jesse Pugliarvi down at 13-58. Uh, so five minutes more. It seemed like it was a lot more than now that I look at the numbers. That is a lot. That's a lot, though. But there was no there was no adjustment there either. Um, I'm not talking about switching up the lines, but maybe elevating the line that's uh, that's you know in the offensive zone, shift after shift after shift. Um, and then like even on the uh, the after they scored the empty net goal, and 
you know, obviously the game is most likely over, but there's still a minute left. We, this is when we get a, a Shore and Derek Ryan shift. Um, yeah. You know, like, I understand reward. Like, it's not like they had such great games that you needed to reward them when you needed a goal. Why uh-huh. get Pulley out there? They, and then they threw McLeod out as the extra attacker, not, yeah. you know, which is fine. But, you know, there's it just seemed like some odd deployment overall. Um, and one thing on the defense, and I guess this is more um Manson than than Woody I guess they've been uh kind of you know splitting the 3 LD between Murray and, and Nimalainen the last couple games and um I think you're going to get into this maybe a little bit more but somehow Murray got almost 3 minutes more than uh Nimalainen and I thought that that was Nemo's better he was much better tonight he wasn't making the mistakes he was harder on the boards and i, I figured if any of those two was going to get elevated over the other it, it should have been the other way definitely nima linen had his best game of the year and um i thought they should just have benched murray and and played nima linen halfway through the game M- murray um he's really struggling out there yeah he um you know you already mentioned kulak <laughs> in terms of the mistakes he made, I mean, Kulak fell down on the one play, screens the goalie on the goal, throws the puck up, up on the uh, up the middle of the ice on another. It's picked off, and there's a tip shot on net by O'Reilly that almost goes in. So some major gas by uh, Brett Kulak. He was doing the stick tap of shame a number of times, thinking, um, thanking uh, his goalie, Jack Campbell. But Murray, <clears throat> I'm not feeling it. He just doesn't seem to have the speed to hang in defensively, which is a concern for me, or the size. You know, Nima Linen's not fast, but he's big, uses his body well. Murray um, failed pinch uh, in early in the third period, leads to a Jake Neighbors uh, dangerous rush up the ice. Um, he's giving too much gap on another third period play, and the pass goes over to Brandon Sod for a wicked harpoon on net. Um, so... It's just um, he's not out there a lot, but he's not he's not getting it done. And I wish Philip Broberry was healthy because it would be nice to see him getting a chance. But I think it's just time to go 6D for a while and see if Nima Linen can handle um, that ice and a regular pairing with, uh, I guess, with Bouchard. I, I said this last podcast, Dyer, it makes me really – I don't miss Duncan Keith's cap hit, but I'm missing <laughs> his play. He was a good – you know, he was way better – than who they're pairing with Evan Bouchard right now. And um, it's starting to affect the orders a little. Like it's... And it's starting to affect Brett Kulak, perhaps. Um, like, he's actually got fairly decent numbers through the year, Kulak does. But, um, you know, his minutes are are up from last year. Um, and, you know, he's had a couple games where he struggled quite a bit. So um, we are definitely missing Duncan Keith. But, you know, I, I don't disagree. You know, I, I'm not... Um, uh, I, I like Marcus Niemelainen. I, I do think that that he tends to leak goals against with for, for various <laughs> yeah. reasons. But but right now, like so does Ryan Murray, and Ryan Murray doesn't bring the a uh, couple of the elements that that Nemo does. But you know, if they did want to make that change, they 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 can't go twelve six right now unless yeah. they unless they either send Nemo down, which is not what you're looking for, um, or put Murray on waivers, which I, I don't think many Oilers fans would be upset about. Um, I, I'm not sure they're ready to do it. I think they'll probably stick with it until Broberg's healthy. Um, 
Oh, there's your dog. What's your dog's name? He's like, hey, why are you doing this podcast? It's uh, snack time. So, <laughs> hey, it's our snack time too, you know, and we're doing the podcast. So <laughs> come on. All right. Uh, what is your your number? What's your number? <sighs> number. Um, I was going to go with 196, which was the number of feet from the Oilers' own net that, uh, where the infraction took place that got the power play goal, led to the power play. Right. Right. But I'm going to go with zero, um, which could be a bunch of things, including the, you know, the number of goals the Oilers scored tonight. But it's going to be an overall season thing. And it's the number of goals scored like overall by I'm going to call them the the three million dollar men which is you know those middle slash top six wingers that are making around three million dollars Yamamoto, Pugliarvi and and Fogel also the three guys were like well who's going to get traded for the cap space Uh, although Yamamoto never seemed to be really in that conversation but he probably should have been but you know what like i thought that fogel and Pugliari played great tonight to tell you the truth but yeah five in and those guys as a trio have zero goals so that's 15 games played zero goals and that's this amazing depth that the oilers have in our you know offensive depth and all this and you know it, it's in, in a game like this you pop one goal and they played well but they didn't score and it's 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 now five games. You know, I think Jesse's played well in all five games, and it might even be not just zero goals. I think Yamamoto has one point. It's almost zero points amongst those. Uh, I don't think Fogel has one. I know Jesse doesn't. So yeah, I don't think any of them are playing poorly except Yamamoto. I, I think he's actually is being quite ineffective, um, especially playing so many minutes with McDavid. Like it's hard to be that ineffective up there. Um, but uh, as a trio, they're just zero goals and almost zero points in, you know, 15 combined games. Very disappointing games, actually, from the top two lines. Yamamoto being at the top of that list for not getting it done. Nuge had a pretty weak game, too. Like, he had the one shot. But other than that, what did he do? I mean, he did win a board battle, I recall, in the third. Um, but, yeah, dry settle with the penalty. McDavid got little done. It was just just not uh, not a good game. My number reflects that. So the orders, as we said, as I mentioned earlier, had four grade A shots by my count, which is, um, well, to put that into context, to put that into context, in the first four games of the year, uh, the Oilers had, the Oilers averaged uh, 16.5 grade A shots per game. So they had one quarter what they were averaging heading into this game. It's just like they had to, it's just, they went from an abundance of good scoring chances in their in the initial games to to zilch, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess credit the St. Louis Blues. They had the right game plan and they got the right players, the right mindset. That team came here to to shut the Oilers down, and they did it. That's a game, I think. Yeah, so, that well, a, that's a hell of a game, and and they did it cleanly, as far as I could tell. It was one of one of those times where you can't you can't sit here and bitch and moan that the Oilers were held and cross-checked and sticked into oblivion. They weren't. No. It was just solid defensive play and some a little bit of good goaltending, not a whole heck of a lot, obviously, with only four grade-A shots on that. But um, wowzer. They just yeah. they didn't get a break. Yeah. And when they did, when they came close, like, you know, Murray misses the net, and they, you know, that was... Oh, what a crappy game. I think Fogel missed the net on a, you know, a decent... Uh, high yeah. Game. 
in the middle. Like they had a they had you know, a bit of momentum for about ten minutes in the second period where they seemed to start to get their legs and find some space, but you know it just never resulted in in any you know any danger like that. Bennington, that's uh, I don't know how many shutouts he has, but that's one of the easiest of his of his of his career. I'm gonna guess. Yeah, I guess the yeah you're right. Like um, in in the second, they right at the end, they you know they, there's Nuge's chance. Mm-hmm. The, uh, one, the one, the uh, five alarm chance, and yeah, the one really, really, really good chance they had all game, and oh well, whatever. You can't well, win them all, Ira. Okay. You have all night to get uh, to get over it now, so um, you don't have to go to bed frustrated. You can you can change your feelings before bedtime. In indeed, I mean, I'm I'm. I've been an Oilers fan now for 50 years, mm-hmm. and I'm finding in recent years I'm getting less frustrated. I'm getting the highs and the lows are evening out. I'm not as I'm not as ecstatic when they win. I guess I'm not as ego involved in the team. Like whatever, like you know, I I mm-hmm. like this. I like the Oilers. I'm a big Oilers fan, but when they win, it's I, I'm happy, but I'm not like overjoyed and and then going to school the next day and rubbing it into the Flames fans and the and the uh, Habs fans. You know, I don't have that aspect of my life. Maybe that's maybe that's part of it. I'm just, you know. I think it's called uh, maturing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, well, one, one can hope. Fingers crossed, Ira. Fingers crossed. Thank you. If if that's uh, if that's your evaluation of my situation. All righty. Uh, hey, uh, any final thoughts? Any other anything you'd like to add? Uh, I'm a bit demoralized overall, just, you know, two and three record, you know, Pittsburgh's a wagon right now. They're just scoring goals, uh, you know, like, like it's going out of style for lack of a better phrase. Um, and then St. Louis again. So, um, well, I don't think they're playing that bad. They're definitely not playing great. Um, they, they've got to pick it up. The, it was a bit heartening to have the defensive zone structure. And, and uh, you know, there was a couple of mistakes. They, uh, there was a couple of individual mistakes. But as an overall team defense, um, yeah. they didn't give up a, a lot. You know, in the in the prior games, there was individual mistakes. And then there was just breakdowns, like, repeatedly, repeatedly. Like, with those mistakes, it was just chance after chance. And this was a couple of mistakes. And Jack Campbell did his job. Um but the offense didn't, and uh, I guess I have to credit Craig Barube or something, because as you said, they they weren't hauling guys down, they weren't chopping, whacking, they just they didn't need to, because the Oilers couldn't generate the speed with the puck through the neutral zone. And I'm not a you know a tech uh, you know smart enough tactician to know what they did, but they did it, and they got the players for it, the Ryan O'Reillys of the world, and um, you know Nick Letty, um, the guy that could skate with McDavid, he's got the experience, you know he. Uh, Nick Letty had a great game. You know, the few chances that McDavid had where they were, you know, even McDavid usually is able to create a scoring chance. He got the puck off or or he got him wide or he did something to thwart it before it became a chance. You know what um, the Oilers seem to be missing? And, um, and, and and Keith had this, right? He had that ability to quickly advance the puck with a quick pass and he was looking for it. He was looking for it and he could execute it. So they seem maybe one or two defensemen short, shy of that load, you know, of having that kind of player. And maybe they're going to address it in a trade eventually. They, they talked about bringing in John Klingberg, who is that kind of player. But um, anyway, that seems to be, you know, I, I like it when the puck's on Evan Bouchard's stick because he's he had the one turnover, of course, but he's going to advance the puck fast and quick. 
I'm not seeing that right now from a lot of the other Oilers defensemen. And it's got to start coming. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to get break through a team like this. Um, the St. Louis Blues, a, t- a tight-checking team. Yeah, and part of it might be the defensemen themselves getting getting used to a, to a new goalie that uh, like a vastly different style. Like, uh, yeah, presumably they've had to change their you know you know their puck retrieval and uh, zone exit uh, strategy completely with with Campbell versus uh, um, Smith and and you know but we're five games in now plus an eight game preseason which maybe they should have used uh, a little more um, to get the <laughs> some things ironed down but you know I'm not concerned well I, I have a tiny bit of concern you know uh, two and three goes to two and five pretty quick with the games coming up and then I think it's Calgary after that if I'm not mistaken so it's not easy they're going on the road um, fairly soon so maybe that'll be a good thing Alrighty, Ira Thanks for talking today. My pleasure, Dave. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.